A woman will tell a man that it doesn't matter that he's not rich, that it does not matter if he's not the holder of a big paying salary job, that it does not matter if he's not the owner of a big house or a fancy car. All that matters is his love for her. Once love is present, materialism has no say in the relationship. Conversely, when a relationship is built on material possession, the love diminishes as the possession diminishes. We'll get back after this. You're listening to Proclaim Gospel Podcast. Coming to you from Tortola, British Virgin Islands. Your host is Evangelist Joel Gums. All right, welcome back to Proclaim Gospel Podcast. Today's topic is What Matters Most. And we'll look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 30 and 31. Paul was speaking to the Corinthian brethren who were all about showing their, their gifts and, and who were parading and who think that they were bigger and there was isms and schisms in the body. But Paul was saying to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 30 and 31, have all the same gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet honestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So Paul was saying, in spite of all that you say that you can do, in spite of all your gifts and your flair and your, your, your feeling good about laying hands on someone or interpreting tongues, it doesn't matter. You may covet the best gift, but I will show you a more excellent way. Now you will ask me the question, what is love? Love is a noun. Dictionary.com gives a definition for love. It says, a profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person. A feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection. As for parent, child or friend. Or sexual passion or desire. Let us pray. Father, as I look at your word today, I pray that you will touch hearts, change lives, and save souls. In your son's name with thanksgiving. Amen. Now, there are four varying degrees of love. Four varying degrees of love. Storhe, which means empathy, bond. Philia, a friend, bond. Eros, romantic love. Let's look at them briefly. Agape is unconditional love for Yahweh. But we will um, look at Storhe, which means empathy bond. It's liking someone through the fondness of familiarity. Family members or people who relate in familiar ways that have otherwise found themselves bonded by chance. An example is the natural love and affection of a parent for their child. It is described as the most natural, emotive, and widely diffused of loves. It is described as a dependency-based love, which risks extinction if the needs cease to be met. Philia, friend bond, is love between friends as close as siblings in strength and duration. The friendship is the strong bond existing between people who share common values, interests, or activities. In other words, you can look at it immediately um, differentiating friendship, love, from the other loves. It's described as friendship as least biological, organic, instinctive, gregarious, and necessary. The least natural of loves. 
Our species do not need friendship in order to reproduce. But to the classical and medieval worlds, it is a higher level love because it is freely chosen. True friendships, like the friendship between David and Jonathan in the Bible, are almost a lost art. When the scripture says, if you remember, that David and Jonathan loved each other stronger than the love of a man and a woman. And they were not homosexuals. And people today who are homosexual, practicing homosexuals, are using this passage of scripture to show that a man can love a man in the way of eros. And also the quote that Joseph Farah gave him of many colors, they're using that and said that it was a quote that was for a woman. They will say all sort of rubbish to perform their abomination. Now, people only love you for what you have as long as you have it. If the money is finished, the love is gone. If the job is done, the love is done. Everything goes out the door because why? Many people love for what they can get from you. Now, we are going to look at eros or romantic love. It is said by uh, Mr. Lewis um, that love is in the sense of being in love or loving someone as opposed to the raw sexuality of what he called Venus. The illustration Lewis used was the distinction between wanting a woman and wanting one particular woman something that matched his classical view of man as a rational animal, a composite both of reasoning angel and instinctual alley cat. And instinctual alley cat. That one made me um, laugh a bit there. Eros, in all his splendor, may urge to evil as well as good. While accepting that Eros can be an extremely profound experience, there is also a dark way in which it could lead even to the point of suicide packs or murder, as well as to furious refusals to part, mercilessly chaining together two mutual tormentors, each raw and all over with the poison of hate in love. Many people are so possessive, so controlling that they do not want to split the relationship. They would rather kill each other in suicide or they would rather have a murder suicide or a suicide pact or one will kill the other. And, and they would say, if I cannot get you, no one else will get you. Or if I cannot live without you, then I will die. So this is what happens and this kind of love, this romantic love is a terrible thing if it is not used well or if it is not appreciated in the proper way that Yahweh meant it. Now let's look at agape, unconditional, which is God love. Charity, agape, which is the Greek, is the love that exists regardless of changing circumstances. Did you hear that? It is the love that exists regardless of changing circumstances. The scripture asks, can a woman forget the suckling child of her womb? And it says, yes, she may. But Yahweh says, I will not forget you. That is why this is saying here that the, the charity or the agape love is the love that exists regardless of changing circumstances. And it is said that 
Um, this same man, Lewis, says uh, he recognized that this selfless love as the greatest of the four loves and sees it as a specifically Christian virtue to achieve. The chapter on the subject focuses on the need to subordinate the other three natural loves. As Lewis puts it, the natural loves are not self-sufficient to the love of Yahweh who is full of charitable love to prevent what he termed their demonic self-aggrandizement. So all other love hang upon that love of Yahweh, the agape love, which is unconditional. A man will lay down his life for a friend and even a stranger, he will do that. But you see, Yeshua came into the world to show that while we were, while we were sinners, while we were enemies, he laid down his life for us. The scripture says, scarcely for a good man, some will die. Scarcely for a good man, some will die. But Yahweh sent his son into the world and laid down his life for his enemies. Now let's go to the book now of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to go down in part 1 to verse 1 to 7. It says here, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, this is the New English translation. Your Bible, the New King, sorry, the King James would read it differently. But I will use the word charity because in the New English translation, it is replaced with love. But actually, it is charity. It says here, the word charity indeed may convey a highly restricted idea of welfare aid. The word love is better. But that must be understood in the light of all that is said in this chapter concerning it. This love, agape, must not be confused with that which is sometimes called love, a quality composed largely of feeling and emotion that has the center in self and the desire of self. Agape centers the interest and concern in others and leads to appropriate action. You see, some people say, I'm in love with you. Oh, I fell in love with her. I fell in love with him. But somewhere down the line, the love diminishes and hate comes out. This chapter shows that possession of various gifts of the Spirit avails nothing in the individual if there is no love or if the individual is devoid of love. And that is why it opens by saying, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am nothing but a sounding symbol, a clashing symbol, noisy, nothing constructive, nothing melodious, nothing that is music to the ears or soothing to the soul, but just noise so the church had a problem the church had a problem and paul came to bring this problem to the forefront let's move on now but let us before we go any further let's look at john chapter 13 verse 34 and 35 it says here a new commandment i gave you this is yeshua speaking that you love one another as i have loved you that ye also love one another by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for the other. The proof of love is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of Yahweh perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him, love 
for Yahweh is shown by conformity to his will. That is how we know that we love Yahweh where we obey his commandments and that love is a gift from Yahweh. Nobody can teach you to love somebody the way Yahweh says you must love them. That agape love is not, you're not born with that love because when a man is born into the world, he's born into the world selfishly. Look at his hands. His hands are clasped tightly. Selfishly, that DNA that came into man from the fall of man's sin and the desire of things that is not belonging to them. A baby is born with his fist clenched and when it dies as a man, his hands are open, empty, going to the grave. All right, let's move on now. Though I speak with tongues, though I speak... At the conclusion of the preceding chapter, which I mentioned earlier in chapter 12, the apostle promised to show the Corinthians a more excellent way than that in which they were now proceeding. They were so distracted with contentions and divided parties and envious of each other's gifts that unity was nearly destroyed in the church. The church had bacchanal, the church had isms and schisms and there was jealousy and undermining and parading and oh, you could imagine, was the Spirit of God there? Was the Spirit of Yahweh in that church? This was a foolproof that love to Yahweh and man was wanting and that Without this, their numerous gifts and other graces were nothing in the eye of Yahweh. Yahweh doesn't care how good you can preach. Yahweh doesn't care how good you can pray. Yahweh doesn't care how good you can, can make somebody feel when they're discouraged. He doesn't care if you have the gift of prophecy. He doesn't care if you have a discerning spirit. Yahweh cares about love for him and love for your fellow man. That's what I'm saying here today. For it was evident that they did not love one another which is a proof that they did not love Yahweh because you cannot say that you love Yahweh and you hate your brother you're on the pulpit preaching and you don't want to you you even walk past the sister and the brother by the door and didn't say good morning I've been in churches where people just walk past me walk past me and they go to the other person and greet them and they don't greet me do I have two heads am I a leper I'm asking myself the question and consequently that they had not true religion it's a form of godliness while denying the power thereof having by his advances and directions corrected many abuses and having shown them how in outward things they should walk as to please Yahweh this is what Paul was doing he now shows them the spirit temper and disposition in which this should be done and without which all the rest must be ineffectual. So I don't care how good you can sing. I don't care how good you can preach. You're just a miserable symbol in the church making noise in the place. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men, all human languages, with all the eloquence of the most accomplished orator. Remember Herod. When Herod had given a speech, the crowd erupted in rapturous applause for him and said the voice of a god and not a man and herod took herod took the praise he took the praise and worm eat him from his inside out and he died nobody takes the praise that Yahweh is supposed to get out the glory 
Though a man knew the language of the eternal world so well that he could hold conversation with his inhabitants and find out the secrets of their kingdom, or probably the apostle refers to a notion that was common among the Jews, that there was a language by which angels might be invoked, adjured, collected, and dispersed, and by the means of which many secrets might be found out and the curious arts and sciences known. They say the Catholic priests know all kind of spells to cast out demons and exorcism, performing exorcism. Well, I don't know. I haven't been around them and they can do that, but I know that I believe in Yahweh and um, the effectual fervent prayer for righteous men availeth much. And when the church comes to pray, Yes, a lot of things happen. Demons tremble. So the symbol, let's get to the symbol. The symbol is a well-known instrument made of two pieces of brass or other metal, which being struck together gives a tinkling or clattering sound. Symbols are commonly used in connection with other music. They make a tinkling or clanging with very little variety of sound. The music is little adapted to produce emotion or to excite feeling. There is no melody or harmony they were therefore well adapted to express the idea which the apostle wished to convey the sense is if i could speak all languages yet if i had not love the faculty would be like the clanging changling sound of the symbol that contributes nothing to the welfare of others it would be hollow vain useless it would neither save me nor others it will neither save me nor others any more than the notes of the trumpet or the jingling of the symbol would promote salvation wow so you see here this is a very profound passage of scripture the love chapter let us go on now with verse 2. That was verse 1, by the way. Now let's go on to verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could move mountains and have not charity, let's replace the word charity with love, and have not love, I am nothing. People can boast how they can explain these deep mysteries of the Bible, the prophecies, the difficult prophecies, the timeline prophecies, Daniel and Revelation, the mark of the beast, the cleansing of the sanctuary, and they have no love in them they are nothing in Yahweh's sight nothing though you can pray enough to move mountains out of your way and literally have them cast into the sea and you have not love you are nothing so my question is going to be asking now well why did Yahweh give those kind of people that type of ability you see Yahweh can use stone he used a filthy bird called a raven to feed his prophet Elijah. Aha, there it is. So Yahweh can use you and refuse you. Uh, not you really, but whoever is, is uh, lacking love. All right, now let's look at verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profited me nothing. They can burn you to the stake at dawn. You can give all you have to the poor, but you're only doing it because you want vain glory, because you're looking for people to praise you. 
and and they have these in the picture they have pictures with them giving out two cases of water or, or two cases of corned beef or some toilet paper or paper towel or a check of one thousand dollars and it's in the paper don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing i just figure that is wrong that is wrong for yahweh who sees in secret will reward you openly so done with the t picture taken done with the photograph taken and go and give to the poor without anyone knowing what is happening so though you give your all your goods to the poor to feed them and though you give your body to be burnt and you don't have love well you're just ashes blowing in the wind or in the river nothing it profited nothing and it says here that charity suffereth long and is kind charity envieth not let me say that again charity suffereth long love suffers long love is patient love is kind love envieth not love vaunted not itself is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly seeketh not her own is not easily provoked thinketh no evil rejoiceth not in iniquity but rejoiceth in the truth beareth all things believeth all things hopeth all things endureth all things this sounds very poetic so we will get to all of those right now we will get to them and if by chance i don't get to them we'll continue because my recording only records 30 minutes and it cuts off so here we go suffer it long paul proceeds to analyze love he points out seven he points out seven excellent characteristics of love and eight acts of attitudes that are totally foreign to its nature in this eulogy he sets he sets forth the superior quality of love in both its positive and its negative aspect the the personification of love in these verses heightens the beauty of the description of for paul ascribes to love those characteristics that are found in all who truly love throughout the paragraph occasional glimpses are seen of the faults in the church at corinth that were in direct contrast to the excellent qualities of love my brother and my sister love is not something you're born with you are not born with love Yahweh gives love because Yahweh is love and whosoever is born of Yahweh is love. It is a gift that you have to ask for. Many people say they love but they kill, they destroy. They do not love. Love what? Or love who? Forbearance or long-suffering. This is coming out of the King James Version. Long-suffering in a world where impatience and intolerance prevail is a precious attribute you know man you you will see this when you are huh, you just go into the bank or you go into the western union or you go in a food line or you go into a try to catch a bus and you will see what pushing and shoving and come on when the corona came when it was in its height when it was in its full season and and people were going out to try to um to get to the the the, the supermarkets and people were just cutting in and people are going on days that were not the days that they were supposed to be going people were dishonest people were breaking the core few people were doing all sorts of things it's like the country was void devoid of love where did love go for your fellow man some people got bags upon bags of groceries i didn't get any but i'm not upset i said some person of them needed it more than me but some people got different bags from different organizations and they tell the government says turn back in some of those excess bags that you had so that we can give to other people and i don't even know if they give them out i don't even know if they return them 
So here it is now. So forbearance or long-suffering in a world where impatience and intolerance prevail is a precious attribute. Love bears long with the faults, failings, and weaknesses of others. It recognizes that all human beings are fallible and that therefore due allowance must be made for manifest for manifestations of the outworking of errors that result from man's inherently sinful nature. Man is inherently sinful. So we have people today, my, 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 will tell you they love you in a heartbeat and the same person who says they love you, you cross them in the wrong time of the day or night. You cut them off in traffic. Man, you will hear how much they love you. And even those people who come into your face and showing as if they love you, love that they're pretending the love, you get into some trouble and you hit the news way, you will know, well, you will not know, but you'll be surprised if, you'll be surprised if angels or, or Yahweh reveal it to you that those very people who say they love you were the ones who are blogging against you and telling you all sorts of things because why? They're hiding behind a fictitious name and they don't love only a only a crab maybe will be able to understand the love that they have. Okay, so let's go here now. All right. Love is long-suffering and is opposed to haste, to passionate expressions and thoughts, and to irritability. This word denotes the state of mind that enables a man to be patiently quiet and to bear long when oppressed, wrongfully accused, and persecuted. Huh, that's a hard one. You see, and you can look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 to 12. You can look at 2 Peter 3, verse 15. You can look at Matthew 26, verse 63. He who is long-suffering possesses one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, you will find that. Now, before I go on to um, love is kind, I will end here. I will end here. And um, we will just have a word of prayer so that we will go into the other portion of this before I run out of time. I was really enjoying myself and I pray that you are also enjoying yourself. Let us pray. Oh, Father, today I thank you for the opportunity to present your word, love. The greatest love of all is love for you, Yahweh, and love for our fellow man. For if we say that we love you who we cannot see, but we hate our brother or our sister who we see, we are liars. So Father, I pray that you will help us to love. True love. Give us the agape love, I pray, Father in heaven. So that when you shall come, we will live with you throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity because we have loved you because you first loved us and we have loved our brother and our sister go before your children i pray and teach us to love teach us to forgive i pray in your son's name with thanksgiving amen if this broadcast has been a blessing to you you can write us at proclaim gospel p.o box 336 rotown tortola british virgin islands or you may email us at Proclaim Gospel VI at gmail.com. Our telephone number is 1284 547 4601.